0: What's up, everybody? My name is Athena, and you're here to listen to Vanished in the Valley. Today, we are going to talk about the U.S. government's long, disgusting history of child sex trafficking. I'm sure you guys all know the whole Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself story, but we are going to go back even further further than the Finders, which happened in the 80s, and the Boys Town scandal, which was also late 80s-ish, we are going to go back to the 1930s, 40s, and 50s, where the first reports, like credible reports, started to surface of our government using children in blackmail schemes. So it's the same idea as Jeffrey Epstein. They would get a powerful political figure or businessman in some sort of compromising situation with a child and either record it, take photos, videos, etc. Once they had this information, then the blackmailing began. So let's go all the way the fuck back to the 1950s. I'll be getting a lot of today's information from a website called Mint Press News and specifically three articles written by Whitney Webb. This chick is like a straight up real journalist. She investigated this shit and she dug up documents. So everything that we're about to talk about has some type of credible evidence to back up what we are about to get into. And of course, it's fucking horrific. It's child sexual abuse. So you probably got to put on your big boy, big girl panties if you want to continue on with this episode. So go get changed into those shorts and uh, meet me back here. We are going to start with Louis Rosenthal, Samuel Brofman, and the American Mob. Rosenthal and Brofman got their start in the mob world during Prohibition and running liquor. First, from the U.S. to Canada, and then from Canada to the U.S., During Prohibition, most of Brofman's mob associates are literally like the people you think about when you talk about 1950s mobsters. They were basically what became known as the National Crime Syndicate. Fast forward years later, and Samuel Brofman's children and grandchildren, their ties to the criminal underworld intact, would go on to associate closely with Leslie Wexner, and Leslie Wexner is the piece of shit that has been tied to Jeffrey Epstein and lots of this mysterious money that he seemed to possess. So this is like a fucking generational child sex trafficking happening right here. And as we get more into it, you'll see it was all sanctioned by the U.S. fucking government. How shocking. Moving over to Louis Rosenthal for a second, according to a New York Times report, Rosenthal happened to be on vacation in 1922 in the French Riviera and apparently had a quote-unquote chance meeting with Winston Churchill. During this meeting, Churchill advised him to prepare for the return of liquor sales in the United States. So Rosenthal comes back to the United States until somehow managed to secure the funding of the elite and respected Wall Street firm Lehman Brothers to finance his purchase of distilleries that had been shut down during Prohibition. New York State Legislative Investigations would allege that Rosenthal, quote, was part of a consortium with underworld figures that bought liquor in Canada from Samuel Boffman, whose other members were, quote, Meyer Lansky. Now, I'm sure you guys have all heard of Meyer Lansky. He's like literally the only mob dude from back in that time that never died early from murder, never got thrown in prison. He died an old man. So that right there, just remember that information because we're going to come back to that in a minute. At this time, Rosenthal somehow was able to get close ties to the FBI and ended up developing a longtime friendship with FBI Director J. Edgar Hoover and making, you know, Hoover's right-hand man, <laughs> his longtime assistant at the FBI, Lewis Nichols, the vice president of his Shinley Empire in 1957. According to reports from Rosenthal's close associates and employees, he was known as an explosive fucking madman, basically. During a divorce proceeding brought on by Rosenthal's fourth wife, Susan Kaufman, There were claims that Rosenthal hosted extravagant parties that included boy prostitutes that Rosenthal had apparently hired for the enjoyment of certain guests, and these guests included government officials and prominent figures in America's criminal underworld. Kaufman would later make the same claims under oath during the hearing of New York State Joint Legislative Committee on Crime in the early 1970s. Rosenthal made sure that these extravagant parties included rooms that were bugged. They had audio equipment that were recording what was going on, and there would even be an area where somebody could be taking pictures. Now, according to Kaufman, that's Rosenthal's ex-wife, she says These pictures and the recordings were kept for blackmail purposes. Kaufman, according to New York judge Edward McLaughlin, he deemed her accusations credible. Apparently, her testimony was corroborated by two separate witnesses who were completely unknown to Kaufman. So yeah, all these blackmail parties kind of started with Rosenthal and it just never fucking stopped. And our government was completely intertwined in these blackmail parties back in the day, back in the 50s, all the way up to Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself. According to a New York Times article, they state that Brofman and Rosenthal were basically brought together by mobster Meyer Lansky. So somehow Meyer Lansky was able to keep these two psychopaths connected and all of these blackmail parties going and the other fucking bullshit they were running. So let's get into Lansky for just a second. Apparently, Lansky was always able to avoid prison because he had really close relationships to powerful businessmen like Brofman and Rosenthal, people at the FBI and the US intelligence community, as well as his own role in establishing several blackmail and extortion rings that helped him keep the law at arm's length. According to Rosenthal's ex-wife, Susan, she claims that she took numerous pictures of her ex-husband and Lansky socializing and partying together. The pictures were confirmed by the Philadelphia Inquirer. Susan also remembers Lansky was one of the individuals that Rosenthal sought to protect from legal scrutiny as a part of his child prostitution and blackmail ring, targeting high-ranking officials. Apparently, somebody overheard Rosenthal say, quote, If that government ever brings pressure against Lansky or any of us, we'll use this, quote, a specific recording taken at one of these parties, as blackmail. And something that I'm sure is just a big old co-winky-dink, Lansky had ties to the CIA and U.S. military intelligence. During World War II, Lansky and Benjamin Bugsy Siegel worked with the Naval Intelligence in what was codenamed Operation Underworld. And Just a little funny little side fact, the U.S. government denied that operation for 40 years. So you guys see how this is all starting to come together? We got these pieces of shit running the blackmail parties. We have other pieces of shit that have close ties to the intelligence world, the CIA, FBI, etc., and children that are being sex trafficked. Also, these motherfuckers could get more money and more power. And it was government sanctioned. The CIA's counterintelligence chief, James J. Angleton, was actually the CIA member that started forging these close ties with Lansky. Lansky was not the only mob member that the CIA had close connections to. There was Edward Moss, who did public relations work for Lansky, and was said to be of interest to the CIA by the agency's then Inspector General, J.S. Earman. There was also Harry Meltzer, who was another Lansky associate that was a CIA asset And the CIA asked Meltzer to join an assassination team in December 1960. Lansky also had connections to a foreign intelligence agency through Tibor Rosenbaum, who was an arms procurer and high-ranking official in Mossad. So this dirty motherfucker, he's got these connections to different intelligence agencies, not only in the U.S., but around the world. According to journalist Ed Reed, who is the author of a biography called The Mistress and the Mafia. He stated that Lansky was attempting to entrap powerful people through sexual blackmail as far back as 1939, you guys. Eventually, Lansky was credited with obtaining compromising pictures of FBI Director J. Edgar Hoover, and that was sometime in the 1940s. According to reports, these pictures were just basically like J. Edgar Hoover involved in some gay shit. But back then, you cannot be caught being gay, especially if you're the fucking director of the FBI. There were also other reports that the photos showed Hoover engaged in sexual activity with his longtime friend, FBI Deputy Director Clyde Tolson. At some point in time, nobody's exactly sure when this happened, these pictures of J. Edgar Hoover having some gay sex fell into the hands of the CIA counterintelligence chief, James J. Angleton. And he just kind of passed him around. He's like, hey, guys, look at this dude. He's fucking a dude. And like I said earlier, this was back in the time you could not be openly gay, especially if you're the fucking director of the FBI. According to Lansky's wife, she stated that Hoover would go to these parties that these mob members were throwing and be dressed in women's clothing. She later said that her husband had photos of the former FBI director in drag. So it would seem to me that good old J. Edgar Hoover was totally compromised and owned by fucking criminals. It kind of makes you wonder if uh, Hoover's obsession with getting blackmail on different political figures kind of stems from the way Rosenthal blackmailed Hoover with the pictures of the gay sexual activity. I've heard different things like Hoover had recordings of JFK, RFK, Martin Luther King, all kinds of different recordings that he was using for blackmail um, just to control people because that's the kind of evil devil he is. Now check out this next part. According to journalist and author Burton Hirsch, Hoover was also tied to Sherman Kaminsky, who ran a sexual blackmail operation in New York involving young male prostitutes. That operation actually was busted and investigated in a 1966 extortion probe led by Manhattan District Attorney Frank Hogan. But check this out. The FBI quickly swoops in and any pictures showing Hoover and Kaminsky together somehow just uh, disappear. I'm sure it was a total accident. The FBI is so fucking compromised and it has been for decades. I don't see why this is so hard for the American public to grasp. And a little side note, there are multiple documented occasions where Hoover attempted to use blackmail to protect Rosenthal and Roy Cohen. Roy Cohen figures prominently in Rosenthal's sexual blackmail operation involving children. I keep saying this, but these fucking alphabet soup groups are absolutely rotten from the core. They are basically, I don't think they could be salvaged at this point because the corruption has run so deep for so long. How could anybody trust these FBI motherfuckers that break the law, that fucking use children to blackmail people, to get more power, to get money, whatever the fuck, whatever the deal is. But there's just so many documented instances where our government is directly related to child sex trafficking for blackmail. But no one does anything about it. Anytime a reporter tries to like bring it out to the forefront, they get canceled, they might get suicided, they may get this little blurb on the news and then everyone forgets about it the next day. I just, I don't understand that. I don't see how that is okay with people. Roy Cohn's connection to J. Edgar Hoover started when Cohen dedicated a lot of time and energy to anti-communist activities. And it's alleged that is what first endeared him to J. Edgar Hoover, whom he first met in 1952. No one is exactly sure how Rosenthal and Cohen met and started developing these black male rings even further than what Rosenthal already had going on. But it doesn't really matter. There was a relationship between Cohen and Rosenthal. There are reports far back as 1969 that Cohen and Rosenthal had for years referred to one another as the field commander and the supreme commander. Like, oh my fucking God, how about the dipshit and the fucking nasty motherfucker? Cohen even ended up being Senator John McCarthy's right-hand man, which basically made him even more untouchable. Cohen and McCarthy's counsel helped the senator destroy many careers during both the Red and Lavender Scares. Now, apparently at one point, Cohn attempted to blackmail the fucking U.S. Army <laughs> in return for preferential treatment for a committee consultant and Cohn's rumored lover, David Shine. So after that, he was kind of forced to leave McCarthy's side. He decided to return to New York and live with his mom. So a few years later down the line, New York judge David Peck who was a longtime associate of former CIA director Alan Dulles, orchestrated Cohn's hire to the New York law firm Sachs Bacon & O'Shea. Now, I know there's a lots of different names, and it's kind of confusing, like, who's blackmailing whom and just, like, who is connected. But basically, the FBI was completely corrupted by the mob, having blackmail photos. The CIA was also showing these photos around, so it kind of makes you wonder, like, hey, CIA director, why are you trying to destroy the FBI director? So it just seems like they're all really shitty fucking people. Let's get back to some of these blackmail parties now. Susan Kaufman, who is the ex-wife of Rosenthal, attended the party with Rosenthal, and it was hosted by Cohn in 1958 at Manhattan's Plaza Hotel, Suite 233. Kaufman described Cohn's suite as, quote, a beautiful suite, all done in light blue. She describes being introduced to Hoover, who was in drag, by Cohn, who told her that Hoover's name was Mary. Kaufman testified that young boys were present, and Kaufman claimed that Cohn, Hoover, and her ex-husband engaged in sexual activity with these minors. According to New York attorney John Colts, He actually investigated Cole for a case way after Kaufman's testimony, and he said he found evidence of the, quote, blue suite at Plaza Hotel and its role in sex extortion ring. After combing through local government documents and information by private detectives, Colts later told journalist and author Burton Hirsch what he had learned. He said, quote, Roy Cohn was providing protection. There was a bunch of pedophiles involved. That's where Cone got his power, blackmail. So this Cone motherfucker has access to extremely high places, extremely rich businessman, the so-called elite, the fucking FBI, and he's fucking running a pedophile blackmail ring. Now check this out, guys. Cone actually made statements to former NYPD detective and ex-head of the department's human trafficking and vice-related crimes division, James Rothstein, Rothstein later told John DeCamp, who was a former Nebraska state senator who investigated the Franklin scandal. And look in past episodes because I went deep on that one. So basically, he told John DeCamp that Cohn had admitted to being part of a sexual blackmail operation targeting politicians with child prostitutes during a sit-down interview with the former detective. This is a quote coming from Rothstein to DeCamp. Quote, Cone's job was to run the little boys. Say you had an admiral, a general, a congressman who did not want to go along with the program. Cone's job was to set them up. Then they would go along. Cone told me that himself. And you guys, this is not conspiracy theory. There are fucking documents that if you search hard enough, you can find. There is enough evidence out there that I just don't get like why it's not talked about. Why people don't know anything about this shit. It fucking blows my mind whenever I think about it. Fucking infuriating, actually. Cohn had claimed to Rothstein that the child sex blackmail ring was part of the government-sponsored anti-communist crusade, and it suggests that elements of the government, including Hoover's FBI, may have been connected at a much broader level than Hoover's own personal involvement, as the FBI closely coordinated with McCarthy and Cohn for much of their red scare. I mean, this shit just goes on and on, you guys. It's fucking mind-blowing. So I'm going to keep talking about this. There's just a lot more information I have to get to and read and verify. But we'll continue with this topic probably next week. But now is change of subject time. It's time to get to some current clown world news. On Tuesday, the Rockefeller Foundation announced it had partnered with the World Health Organization to quote, expand global pandemic preparedness in the era of climate change. So basically, they're just partnering with the WHO so they can control the world in the event of pandemic, which is caused by climate change. No fucking shit. This is real. These motherfuckers announced this on Tuesday. Apparently, the Rockadiller Foundation launched the partnership with the WHO for pandemic and epidemic intelligence on the sidelines of the 76th World Health Assembly and that is the same assembly that was meeting to negotiate proposed amendments to the international health regulations. Check this part out. The Rockefeller Foundation announcement was titled, quote, One Health in Practice, Preventing the Next Pandemic Before Communities Suffer. What that kind of sounds like to me is the Rockefeller Foundation wants to make it clear that pandemic, climate change, and surveillance ideologies have now merged into one agenda, the fucking global elitist agenda. The One Health announcement will basically give who dictator General Tedros and those who fund him complete power and control over decisions related to the environment, plants, animal health, human health, and more. Apparently, the Rockefeller Foundation dropped $5 million to accelerate priority projects of the WHO for pandemic and epidemic intelligence to drive global collaboration in genomic surveillance, adoption of data tools for pathogen detection, and assessment of climate-aggravated outbreak threats. Jesus fucking Christ. Ugh, every day, it's some new clown world bullshit, you guys. And I don't know if you guys remember, but it was like, what, a month or two ago, the WHO got a bunch of heads of state together and had them sign a treaty that stated in the next pandemic, the WHO would be having complete power over these individual countries and basically just uh, suspending our Constitution. Fucking President Brandon ran up and signed that one. I'm sure he had no fucking clue what he was signing. So his handlers had him do it because <laughs> that fool does not have more than two thoughts in his brain. There's actually a great thread happening on Twitter right now from a user called at Jilderness, and he's basically just pointing out that as crazy conspiracy theorists have been saying for years that the World Health Organization will start conflating disease with climate change. I remember that whole fucking nonsense. Everyone said we were crazy, and now it's like in writing from the World Health Organization. I mean, it's literally spelled out by Dr. Rajiv Shah, who is the president of the Rockefeller Foundation. He said, quote, we're proud to partner with the hub to expand its focus on preventing pandemics fueled by climate change. Oh, for fuck's sake. I don't know if you guys remember anything about Operation Lockstep, but that fucking dystopian nightmare was the brainchild of the Rockefeller Foundation. So a brief history on lockstep. they basically want all countries to kind of get together and force their populations to stay in designated areas. hence the term lockstep and they want all of the different countries to initiate the same medical protocol or whatever fucking emergency they're inventing at the moment. So we got we've got all of these different quote unquote elites and bond villain organizations getting together planning how they're gonna fucking lock down us peasants and nobody seems to give a fuck i'm sure most people hadn't even heard that the rockefeller foundation has partnered with the world health organization and it's just like come on fucking climate change now you're gonna tell us that we're being locked down because of climate change get fucked Maybe these twats should stop flying around in their private jets every single time they need to go somewhere. But I know that's out of the question, because they're not peasants. They get to do what they want. While we're on the topic of bond villain organizations, didn't you guys know that in 2022, Pfizer awarded 497 research grants to 411 institutions? Those grants totaled more than 100 million U.S. dollars. But yeah, I'm sure uh, all that money didn't affect the science at all. Nope. Now we need to move on to a little bit more fuckery from the FBI. I'm specifically talking about that fake-ass insurrection on January 6th. Do you guys remember hearing about some suspect who allegedly planted pipe bombs at the DNC and the RNC on January 5th, 2021? Somehow, the FBI has never identified this person. And that's kind of shocking because everyone else that was involved in that shit got thrown in a fucking political prison dungeon for a couple of years. But the dude with the pipe bombs, hmm, totally gone. But check this out. I'm going to list the evidence the FBI had on this person and let you make a decision as to whether or not you think there is some fuckery going on. The FBI had linked the suspected pipe bomber to a Metro Rail smart trip card That, the subject used to travel through Washington metro system to a stop in Northern Virginia. The FBI then used security camera footage from the Northern Virginia metro stop to identify a license plate of the car this individual had entered. But here we are years later and for some reason a possible pipe bomber hasn't been brought to justice but that fucking dumbass shaman dude was. How does that make sense? I'm just, I'm trying to wrap my brain around it. They were able to track that fucking Idaho murder fool across the damn country, basically, from Idaho to Pennsylvania. And the FBI, like the leading law enforcement agency in the United States, couldn't find this motherfucker with video footage of him tracking this rail card and an actual license plate. You're telling me they couldn't go find that car and swab it for DNA? I'm just calling bullshit on the entire situation. All of it was just bullshit from start to finish, not just this fucking pipe bomber dude, the whole thing. There were FBI agents there provoking the crowd to act stupid and the crowd was stupid for following literal fed boys into our capital. The whole thing was just ridiculous. But the FBI is making it more ridiculous by not trying to actually find this suspect or maybe this suspect worked for them because they had planted agents all over the place on January 6th. I don't know. It's just things that make you go, hmm, just the stuff we've talked about today with these fucking nasty ass pedophiles in the government blackmailing people, the totally incompetent and corrupt FBI running amok. How How far down the tubes do we have to go before people finally agree that something needs to be done? I don't know. How many more steps in the clown world do we need to fucking get to before people wake the fuck up? I mean, maybe people will never wake the fuck up because a lot of people are just fucking stupid. But we don't need everyone. We just need some good critical thinkers, some fucking doers, and people that love our constitution and our country but think the government has become tyrannical which it absolutely has just thinking about the january 6 bullshit they threw those people in fucking prison their trials took forever and there's straight up video of cops escorting these fools through the capitol and no no one thinks that's fucking strange not at all the fucking fbi and other fed boys were there agitating the crowd But let's not fucking call them out on that. You're not going to hear any mainstream media news talk about these subjects. Not at all. Nope. So check this out, guys. Have you heard about the 50 U.S. senators that have been issued satellite phones for emergency communication? I read about it the other day, but I was thinking, I'm like, why all of a sudden are they doing this now? Which 50 U.S. senators and are they planning for a complete blackout in communication? So what I'm seeing is the official story anyway, is that these phones are new security measures and they were actually offered to all 100 senators by the Senate Sergeant at Arms, who took over shortly after the January 6th fake ass insurrection. (laughs) Senate administrative staff recommends senators keep the phones in close proximity during their travels. Senate Sergeant at Arms Karen Gibson stated that the satellite communication is being deployed to ensure a redundant and secure means of communication during a disruptive event. Hmm. I mean, they really are going to keep using this January 6th bullshit as an excuse to fucking do whatever the hell they want. Like, really, they were never even in danger, first of all. Second of all, you're telling me their regular fucking cell phones didn't work? And who do they need to call? They need to just walk their asses out of the building and leave. I mean, maybe all of those cops that were escorting the protesters through could have maybe escorted the senators at the fucking back door. Or, I don't know, a fucking secure room in the Capitol. So many other things. That's why this whole January 6th bullshit reeks of a fed boy operation. All right, you guys, that is enough ranting for one week, and we are now at the part of the episode where I tell you what I'm going to be getting up to this weekend. I think we may be getting a dog, a Dogo Argentino, to be more specific. They're fucking gorgeous. They're all white. The problem is there's not a lot of reputable breeders, so they're kind of hard to find right now but we are on the lookout. Me and Garrett will be going back to Lake Amador. We spent like five hours kayaking around that lake. It was fucking amazing. We saw deer, different types of birds, like herons, fish, you name it. But my dumbass forgot to apply some block to the inside of my legs and I got so fucking burned. I had to go to sleep with an ice pack on my legs that night. So that was fine and I won't be making that same mistake. Nope, that fucking sucked really bad. You guys, what plans do you have to get out and fucking get some vitamin D and fresh air? Come say what's up to me on Instagram at Vanished Athena or my sub on Reddit, which is r slash vanished in the valley. Let me know what you guys are getting up to because I need some fresh ideas of shit I can do outside that will give me vitamin D exercise and fresh air. Now it's time to say what's up to our top three downloading states. We still have Georgia in the lead, California in second, and Colorado in third. That's what's up, you guys. Hit me up at vanishedinthevalley at gmail.com. If you have any rabbit holes I should go check out, or you can try the ridiculous Instagram. I'm actually using a different one now. It's kind of hard to find, and uh, if you want, go to the Vanished Athena account, and at the top there is a link to this other page of mine. Gotta have lots of backups considering I get banned every other month. Now, as far as our top three downloading international peeps, we have the UK, Canada, Australia, and Ireland. That's what's up, you guys. I appreciate you guys tuning in every week. So hit me up on one of those three platforms and send me some rabbit holes. Tell me what you're doing this weekend to get out and fucking get some fresh air. So until next week, you guys, be aware. And don't forget your pepper spray. Ciao, ciao.